Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. If you've ever struggled to forgive someone who hurt you, please know that you are not alone. This is a challenging thing for most of us. All kinds of questions come up around forgiveness. Sometimes you might feel pressure to forgive somebody before you're ready. You may also feel like, well, I'm trying to forgive, but it's not going very well. Or what if I forgive someone, but I still don't trust them? There's all kinds of different ways that we experience the process of forgiveness, and it's just part of the human experience. And my guest today is an expert on helping people understand the process of forgiveness, self-forgiveness, and even reconciling in spiritual matters with God. Her name is Dr. Wendy Ulrich, and she's an author of many books on these topics. She's also a psychologist and the founder of 16 Stone Center for Growth. I love Wendy's writings. I've been a fan of her work for a lot of years, and her own take on forgiveness and weakness and reconciling back to God and dealing with these issues in emotional, spiritual, and relational ways has had a huge impact on my thinking and on the work I've done in my own life and also in the lives of the people that I serve as clients and, of course, my loved ones. I'm really grateful that Wendy was willing to make time to come talk on the podcast today about forgiveness, and I'm really excited for all of you to meet her and listen to her. I'll make sure to put links to all of her resources in the show notes so that you can access the wealth of knowledge that she has shared with the world in her writings and publications. And if you want, I think that she's still running retreats, so you can even sign up to spend some time with her and do some deeper work. So let me introduce you to Wendy Ulrich and our discussion on forgiveness. Well, welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, Wendy. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I am delighted to be with you, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah. So today we are going to talk about forgiveness. And boy, you talk about a loaded topic when it comes to helping people heal and move through betrayal is when the topic of forgiveness comes up. And I know this is an area that you've written extensively about. And obviously, as a practicing psychotherapist, you've dealt with this quite a bit. But in your experience, has this been a pretty loaded area as well for you, just uh, maybe personally and professionally? Absolutely, on both angles. Certainly a loaded issue professionally and also a very loaded issue for me personally as well. It is a really tough thing. It's a hard thing that we have to do. And so it can be a very painful process and a slow process. We sometimes wish we could just flip a switch and say, okay, I forgive, all done, everything's better, let's move on. But it doesn't tend to work that way. It's kind of more like a grieving process that we just have to kind of take our time and work our way through and sometimes have to repeat when new triggers come up that remind us of an old injury and bring it back up and hurt all over again. So it's not just 70 times seven because the person may hurt us 70 times seven. It can be 70 times seven that we have to forgive the same offense because we think we've got it handled. We think we've got it under control and something reminds us of it again and we're back having to deal with it again. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, I think so many times, I know I've thought of this before too, is like, Forgiveness as an event, right? Like 
has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, and then I, I think I've forgiven them and I think it's over. And boy, if that isn't a setup for more pain. It really is. You know, if you've ever had a major loss in your life, especially at an early age, it's usually pretty obvious to us that those things don't just go away. Something again comes up for us that reminds us of that same situation. And we're back in that same process of grief or struggle. The conclusions that we came to that need to be reworked, that we think we've reworked, but here we are again. And it's the same thing with forgiveness. It's amazing how many times, especially those early, early injuries that are deep in the trunk of the tree of our, of our personality or whatever, can be re-triggered by ongoing life. Yeah. I think about forgiveness in terms of, you know, all the sensitive things that we work with as therapists, but also just as humans going through life. But forgiveness, boy, that's one that just keeps coming up over and over again for all of us as humans. And I, I know it's a sensitive topic. We've identified it as, but why? Why do you think that this one really tugs at us so hard? Why it just can be so difficult? Well, for one thing, it, it's such a feeling when we have someone else to forgive of a betrayal of trust. And so it undermines our whole sense of sort of safety in the relationship, safety maybe in the world that we live in. When it's our own debts against ourselves that we are trying to forgive, things that we deeply regret where we have not lived up to our own values or we have felt like we've been deceived and we are complicit in some way in that self-deception. Those things are really painful and and sort of undermine our sense of who we are and make us feel like we're sort of foreigners to ourselves. So we can feel alienated from other people. We can feel alienated from God, but we can also feel alienated just from our own best self, our own sense of who we are. And those are all pretty big things to be alienated from. <laughs> you know, they, they hurt and they can really be disorienting in terms of am I ever going to be able to feel like I'm myself again, to trust myself again, or to trust this other person again? Yeah. You may even have to sort of forgive God, if you will, for having assumed we could expect certain things and then finding out that's not quite the way it works. And we can feel a deep sense of betrayal, even with the divine. So these yeah. are all painful, deep things. Right. So the one thing I hear you saying is that the dilemma with forgiveness then really is, it's tough in general to forgive, you know, the person who cut you off in traffic or, you know, it's hard to get over some things and just, you know, feel trusting when somebody violates that. But it's really, this issue becomes absolutely a bigger dilemma when our whole sense of security and safety is threatened and betrayed by somebody that was supposed to have our back. So a, a parent, a, a primary relationship, a romantic partner, even God, where we feel like we were let down. And when those main areas, and of course ourselves, as you said, when those main primary security-based relationships are threatened in any way, this is when forgiveness becomes us because we want, to, we want to repair that. So forgiveness kind of, we know instinctively we, we want that back, but then we're caught in a dilemma of, can that be restored? Will it work? Will I get hurt again? Because everything, my security, my safety depends on this holding, but it didn't hold. Is that what you've seen as well? That it's really the closer it is to your security, the harder it is to forgive? Well, that's such a good description, Jeff. It, it sounds like maybe you've had some experience with this. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, a really good explanation, I think, of um, what it means for most of us. When the deeper it goes, the more our sense of of security depends on this other person or this situation, the harder it is to let go. I One of the comments I heard once from 
well, I read once actually in a book by Beverly Flanagan made the comment that forgiveness means giving up all hope of ever having a better past. And that's really been a profound thing for me to reflect on sometimes in my life, because I've realized that is kind of what I'm hoping for, is that somehow if I could just undo that past and make that not happen, that I could go back to that safety and security that I had before I did this stupid thing or somebody else did this stupid thing that has unnerved me and left me feeling like, you know, life has suddenly changed in some fundamental way. So as you say, it's not that big of a deal to let go if somebody cuts me off on the freeway. But when my basic sense of safety and security in the world has been sort of upended, how do I get that back again? And I think this is where one of the pieces of forgiveness that is really essential is just the personal growth of realizing that, well, one of the ways I've put it is the scriptures call Jesus Christ many names, many, many, many names, but he is never called the preventer. And we have to recognize that he never promised that he would prevent anything bad from happening to us, that he would prevent other people's agency from ruining our lives, basically. What he promised was that he would save us, that he would redeem it and help us turn those experiences to wisdom and positive action and increased character and patience and humility and faith and all the characteristics that make us like our Heavenly Father and like the people we most want to be. But that's not an easy process. No, I love that quote. That's really beautiful. Will you say that again, that forgiveness is a... Is giving up all hope of ever having a better past. Giving up all... And when we think about it for for five seconds, it's Mm -hmm. obvious we can't have a better past, but yet there is some part of us that is like hoping that if I'm mad enough or if I'm hurt enough or if I complain loudly enough that somehow, you know, we could turn back the clock and undo this thing that's happened because we don't know how to get back that sense of security other than just by undoing the possibility in our minds that such a thing could happen. We don't want to even know it's possible. And once we really know it's possible to be hurt that deeply or to be that stupid, it's really hard to sort of say, now, what do I do with this? You know, how do I deal with knowing this could happen again? And I could be in this situation again and not see it coming. So it requires sort of a major shift in how we approach life to say, my goal is not to try to prevent all harm from happening, but to grow in confidence that with the Lord's help, I can grow from these things and I can learn from them and I can cope with them. I will be able to manage it. It will be possible to handle this situation, even though right now it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I love that. And where does trust fit into that then? Because I think a lot of people feel like, well, if I'm forgiving someone, then do I just put myself back in harm's way? Does trust matter in these cases? I mean, obviously we know it does, but what do you say to that? Where does trust fit into that in this process? Well, I think the question you're asking is, do I have to reconcile with this person who has hurt me? Do I have to let them back into my life? Do I have to put my guard down in order to say I've forgiven? And the answer to that may be, no, you don't. Right. You can reconcile with somebody and still not forgive them. You can forgive them and decide that they still are not trustworthy to have back in your life. If they haven't really learned something from the situation, if they haven't, if they don't seem to have either the will or the ability, the capacity to change their behavior, 
and you need both the will and the capacity. If you feel like they just don't get the damage that they've done, and so you can't assume that they won't do it again, then it's appropriate to say, no, you know, I'm going to have some limitations here. I will maybe trust you with this, but not with this, or I will, uh, I'm just not going to have a relationship with you anymore out of my own need to self-protect. But that doesn't, we can do that without holding a grudge. I can think of a relationship in my life right now where, you know, there's a long-term relationship that has, you know, there's been enough harm somewhere on my side or theirs where the decision has been made. We're just not going to, we're not going to stay in this relationship. But I hold no ill will toward this person. And I hope they hold no ill will toward me. We just realized for whatever reason, we're not mutually trustworthy in this particular relationship. And that can be an individual decision. It doesn't have to be a group decision that says, yeah, this is just not working, but I can let it go. And I don't have to, I don't have to stay here to forgive. Right. Uh, that's an distinction sometimes. Some of that will, some of that healing may have to hold off until, you know, the next life because we just don't seem to have the ability to figure it out here. Right. And to have the permission to be able to allow that to happen and, you know, and take the bigger, bigger perspective and say, you know what, I don't have the capacity right now or the resources or the ability to do this. And it's not because I haven't tried or I don't care. That's really, that's good. I love that. And another piece I want to go back to that you just said that I, I've actually never heard it said this way, but it's like, we can, I think you said something like we can reconcile with somebody, but still not forgive them. Right. Which is, yeah, we can you know, sort of we, make it look right. Reconcile. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, so it's, are you saying essentially that we can, we can sort of make it look like it's worked out on the surface, but inside still feel tons of anger and resentment and bitterness. And so it looks like it's fine. Like we've made it look fine as we all say. But really, it's still at the core. We're just suffering tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. And another possibility is we can say, look, you know, I don't really forgive this person, but I have to work with them. I'm going to, you know, I need this relationship in my life for some reason. This is my boss or this is my child or this is my spouse. I'm not in a position to divorce or, you know, whatever it might be. It's, I think, always better, of course, if we can get to those deeper layers of forgiveness. But sometimes we, it's sometimes it's, it's even okay to say, I'm going to work this as best I can and I'm going to leave room for the possibility of a deeper level of forgiveness. But, you know, I can also just say, yeah, I don't really forgive you. I haven't really decided that you don't owe me anymore, which is kind of my definition of debt, of forgiveness is it's like a debt that you have had something taken away from you that belonged to you. And uh, it could be that sense of safety. It could be money. It could be time. It could be your reputation. It could be, you know, a relationship that you've lost, a feeling of, of security in the world. Whatever it is that you have had taken away from you, there's a sense of, of a debt. You may decide, all right, even given this debt, it's in my best interest to stay in relationship with this person and make it work as best I can. And maybe in time, I will be able to figure out the debt part of this a little differently. Yeah. But the bigger problem is when we just pretend everything's okay. And it really isn't. We haven't done the work. We're just putting on a happy face and acting like everything's fine when deep inside, we haven't done the work yet to really make that happen. 
Yeah. So, I mean, as, as mental health professionals and even in the scriptures, right, forgiveness is obviously the recommended course of action. It's just better for our physical, mental, spiritual health long term. But I love what you're saying that we don't have to rush to it. We might have to kind of work things out because we're in a vulnerable situation or we're in a dependent situation with a boss, like you said, or a spouse or situations where we maybe can't get away from the active betrayal or danger or situations. But we can still leave room in our heart for the possibility that down the road, we'd like to be free of this and, and release them as well from that debt. And well said. Right. And that's why I think that people need to know they have options when it comes to forgiveness, that it's not this one size fits all prescription of how it's supposed to be done. Well, I do think we kind of hold this idea that it's this switch we just flip. And if it's only dependent on our will to flip the switch, and then it should be done. Right. If I decide I want to forgive, that should be it. It's not that easy because we are having to rework our internal sort of sense of ourselves and of the world and of our place in it, of this relationship and what it means in our lives. I can remember times when I felt deeply betrayed, for example, by a church leader, not that they had done anything wrong. I was just holding them to some really ridiculous ideal standard that they were just being human, you know, and, right, right. and ignored my, my, my sense of of entitlement to what they were supposed to be doing. And I had to rework it and realize, wait a minute, this person's not God. They're not perfect. They're not even claiming to be. They are going to hurt my feelings regularly if I keep holding them to that kind of a standard when that's not a fair standard to hold them to. But I have to then change my sense internally of, you know, I'm not really entitled to see this person as somebody who should always get it right and should always be completely compassionate with me and should always have my, you know, my complete best interests at heart. That's just not a realistic standard to hold any human being to, you know? <laughs> so I've had to do the internal work of saying, you know, it's okay for them to be human mm-hmm. and I can tolerate that. And I don't have to feel like God hasn't kept his promises to me because another mortal has done what mortals do, which is use their agency and live within their limitations in ways that are inconvenient for me. You know, one of the most profound, you've written a lot of profound things over the years that have greatly impacted my own life and the lives of those I love and I serve as a therapist. But one of the most powerful writings you've done on forgiveness was just a a section of your book, The Temple Experience, where you talk about releasing the offender to Christ, releasing them to God and basically saying, you know, I don't, I'm not going to try and exact out of them and have them restore to me what was taken from me, that I'm going to actually turn them over and let God work out that situation and that I'm going to then turn to God and allow him to restore to me you know, what was taken or what was lost and heal me directly instead of me trying to seek healing from this person who offended me. That was a huge reframe for me in terms of understanding forgiveness and how I think of it in my own life and the lives of the people that I work with. This is not how we often think of forgiveness, right? I think that's why it was such a big aha for me, but it's obviously scriptural. It's exactly what's written, but where do we get that wrong? Why, why do you think people, we misunderstand this in terms of us chasing after the person that hurt us and trying to get them to restore it versus just automatically turning to God? Well, I think it's a pretty natural instinct. I'm remembering a little video I watched of uh some chimpanzees, I think it was, in a, in a research experiment where there were two of them side to side in cages. And this very dispassionate researcher is 
rewarding them for a little task. They have to give the, the researcher a rock. And when they do, he gives them a slice of cucumber and they can do this all day. You know, the, the, cucumber, the cucumber is very satisfying to the chimpanzees and they love this. The thing that changes, however, is when the researcher just, you know, nonchalantly gives one of the, of the chimpanzees a grape instead of a researcher. And then the other chimpanzee sees this and looks at it and he's like, oh, grapes, you know. <laughs> so he gives the rock and he still gets a cucumber and he gets very upset. I mean, very quickly, he's like pounding on the ground, running around the cage, shaking the bars, you know, lifting, reaching out his hand again and again, yelling basically at the researcher. <laughs> it's not fair, you know. And even a chimpanzee knows this isn't fair. This sense of fairness seems to be sort of deeply wired, not only in the animal kingdom, but in the animal part of us, that we have this notion of fairness. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I, in the lectures on faith, in fact, Joseph Smith, or whoever it was that he was working with in writing those, says, in order to have faith in God, we have to have a correct understanding of his character and attributes. And those character and, and attributes include fairness and justice. We have to believe that God is fair and just in order to trust him. But that justice is ultimate. It is not immediate. So we have to know that the Lord will ultimately recompense us for our ills here in life and will ultimately pay us back for the things that have been stolen from us in order to to trust him and, and see him as somebody that we want to be in relationship with. So this sense of justice goes very deep for us. And so it's natural that we look to the person who has robbed us of whatever that was that we got robbed of to pay us back. Unfortunately, most of the things that go deepest into our hearts, that person is not capable of paying us back. They cannot turn back the clock to the time before we knew such things could happen for us and the security we felt before that this horrible thing happened. They cannot just re repay us our sense of, of worth or of value. They can't just give us back our, they may be able to give us, they may not even be able to give us back the money they stole, if that's what it was. They, they may not be able to give us back our sense of innocence at all. And we really, you know, aren't here to be innocent anyway. So that's not, it's all, all bad, but we are here to learn how to feel secure in our relationship with the Lord and in our own power to respond to the situations that happen to us with some kind of value, deep response that we're to respond from our own deepest values, despite the circumstances that we're in. That is peace, not as the world giveth, but the kind of peace that only Jesus Christ can really bestow. And so it doesn't make sense to go to other people in those kinds of situations to get those things back, we have to go to the Lord. And the conditions on which he can give us those things is to say to us, you can't keep exacting this price from this other person. You have to turn this debtor over to me. I will deal with them in terms of what they owe life, what they owe me. But if I'm going to repay you, you have to release the debt. You can't exact it from both of us. You can't expect to get this back from your your, your parent or your boss or your child and get it back from me as well. You've got to choose. Are you going to keep going after this person who can't really do it for you anyway? Or are you going to let me deal with them in what I determine is a fair way, given everything I know about them, as well as everything I know about you and life, and look to me for the mercy that you need in order to, to be repaid what was taken from you? 
I love that. And and that is that is to me, I when I hear you talk about that, it, to me it sounds like a like a parallel process that happens in addition to deciding if that person is really safe enough to be in a connection with, right? Yes. Like that. Yes. Both right. of those things are going on. We may we may decide very quickly, oh, this was a misunderstanding, or oh, they really get it, and they, you know, I feel like they're not going to do this again, blah, blah, blah. And so we that that's great. I'm this is really most applicable in the situations where we feel like they don't get it, they're not safe. I've had this thing taken from me, this sense of security or this emotional connection or whatever it is that they can't pay me back, are not willing to pay me back, or don't know how to pay me back, or it's not something another person can even give to me. And I've, I've got it in that situation, go to the Lord and say, okay, they are between that, this person's eternal, you know, welfare and judgment and whatever is, is yours to take care of. And if you feel like they owe you something, that's great, but they don't owe me anymore. And I will go to you to find these things that I have lost and to get them in a more realistic and more what more complete way than I could ever get them from another human being. Right, right. That will change everything. And I, I want my listeners to know, like so many people that, that listen to this podcast have been betrayed. And I also, we have a lot of church leaders and others that listen. That's such an important thing is to, is to not keep chasing after the person that stole your wallet, sort of, right, metaphorically, like, but to, right. but, but to stop and just recognize there's been a loss. And the restoration, like you said, of what matters most is not going to come from that other person, even if you decide to stay in a relationship with them. That's, yeah. Right. And, and we're going to have to go not only to the Lord, but to ask the Lord, not just to hand us this, but to help us learn what we need to learn so that we can make the changes and the growth we need that will allow us to obtain this thing that we've lost at a deeper level than, than another person can just give us. Yeah. Yeah. That's just so, so important. All right. So I have just a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up this interview because I do want to, I know at some point we're going to switch gears and talk about forgiving ourselves, but I, I do want to talk about and just forgiving injuries from other people. Their timing seems to matter when you're working with somebody that's been betrayed. And this is, you know, this is for people that are listening that are helping someone who's been deeply injured by another person. It seems like forgiveness gets brought up really quickly for a lot of people, right? Like in an effort yeah. to help. And I think that that's obviously, in my experience, more about our own discomfort, wanting the pain to go away quickly. So we throw this out, but it, it, it's oftentimes too soon. So in your experience, when does it make sense to start talking about forgiveness with somebody? Well, if you're the listener who's sort of this on the sidelines of the situation, our best, our best approach for the most part is to keep listening, to keep asking questions, to to respond to the person with compassion. I'm re I'm remembering just the other night I was telling something somebody who doesn't owe me anything, you know, it's just a, a random friend in my life about something that had happened to me, and there was no statement about, you know, boy, it, you just need to forgive. It was just I'm so sorry that this happened to you, and that kind of compassion is what allows us is what allows our feelings to begin to transform. Yeah. We often feel like it's our job to get somebody to change their behavior and and the and shame and judgment from us doesn't do a very good job of, of that of helping people with that process. Everything we know about uh, rushing people through grief or rushing people through forgiveness says that it just isn't all they do is is the feelings go underground and as somebody said to me recently Feelings buried alive don't die. <laughs> right, right. Well, they, they just yeah. they just fester. 
So our job when we are a listener is to is to do our best to just express our compassion and genuinely say, I am so sorry that this happened to you. We think sometimes that that's going to just get people you know, locked in. But usually we get locked in when we feel like we have to defend our position because nobody else is getting it. And yeah. if, we can, if we can really help people feel heard, it's easier, not harder for them to begin to, move, to, to want to move. We don't really want to stay in those yucky places, but we need to feel like somebody gets it and how hard it was for us and how deeply this loss has affected us. If, however, you're the person who wants to be forgiven, this is even more important. If you're the one who has betrayed the confidence of somebody else or has done something deeply hurtful, the last thing you want to come out of your mouth is, the Lord has told us that you need to forgive, and if you don't, you're the one with the greater sin than mine. Do not say that. <laughs> um, I've had people who have uh. you prayed know, and hurt in big ways have a parent or some a spouse come back and, and say something like that. And those are the situations where, you know, we're, we're just inclined to just want to cut them off completely. That is not our job if we are the one who has, who has wronged another to tell them what their responsibility is to forgive. Our job is to do everything we can to be empathic, to listen as carefully as we can to what it feels like to them to try to get to a place where we can genuinely understand why, they, why they're hurting as much as they are, to say what we're going to do to try to make it right or to try to do it differently the next time, to say that we're sorry and to give them as much time as they need. That doesn't mean we have to just let people beat us up. Sometimes that can happen too, where someone has just been, you know, they, they, their, their own capacity for taking care of themselves is so minimal that they just have to just keep coming back at us again and again and again and again with how horrible this is. And we can say, I know this was really, really hard for you. I would do anything I can to turn this around or to, to have this go differently, but it's not going to help us re regain our relationship to just rehash that over and over and over again. There is a point where something else needs to be tried, but usually not nearly as quickly as as we would like it to be. <laughs> right, right. And I, I love what you're saying that, you know, I've never, I don't know that I've ever thought of it this way, but when we when we rush someone to forgiveness as a listener, or even as the person who hurt them, but let's just say even as a, as a bystander or as a helper, it's a form of judgment. It's a form of, it's a yeah. form of deciding in some ways where they need to be. And that's just so disconnecting and harmful to their process. Right. Yeah. Wendy, this is great. I mean, I could I could spend hours talking to you about this stuff. I just think that this is, there's so many layers, as we've said in this process, but I think it's a great start to this conversation. And I will absolutely put links to your books and resources in the show notes so people can know where to find you. Is there a particular book or resource or article or a place we can direct our listeners to on some of these themes that you can just share with right now? Of mine? Yes, of yours, or I mean, of anyone, yeah, I guess, but for you, for sure. Yeah. Forgiving ourselves is certainly one that's been helpful for a lot of people. And weakness is not sin goes into some of the distinctions between those things, because often there's a, a big disconnect that people haven't realized between a weakness and a sin. When we try to forgive a weakness and assume that that means we have to repent of our weakness, which means we have to never do it again, because that's what you know we've understood repentance to mean, then we can get ourselves kind of goofed up. Because if we're dealing with a human limitation, a human weakness that's part of the human condition, we're not going to just make up our minds and change our minds and never do it again. 
So it, we'll have a difficult time forgiving ourselves, forgiving another, if we are trying to deal with it, just a normal human weakness. It's when somebody has, or we or someone else has seriously violated the relationship, the assumptions of a relationship, or violated our own values or the common values that we hold in society. It's when we have deliberately rebelled against the commandments of God, knowing better. We have, we have you know, participated, as I say, in our own self-deception. Those are the things we need forgiveness for. Some of those other things that are more like weaknesses, we need humility about, and we need practice with, and we need patience with, and we need to have faith in the Lord and in His, His grace to help us with. But uh, it's not necessarily that those things make us unclean in the way that sin does. I love it. So yeah, forgiving ourselves, and we're going to talk about that in the next episode, but, but also weakness is not sin. And both of those I'll link in the show notes. But thank you, Wendy, so much. And I look forward to our next visit. Thank you. You can learn more about Wendy Ulrich and her work on 16stones.net. And you can also visit her on her author page on Amazon.com. She's got all of her books on there. And I will also put links to all of these resources in the show notes. I want to thank Dr. Ulrich for spending time with us today on this topic of forgiveness. And the good news is, is that I also spent some time, as you heard, I also did a second interview with her on self-forgiveness, where we take this a little bit different direction and point the spotlight on what happens when we can't move on from mistakes that we've made And we have a hard time reconciling that and letting go and healing. And I had a great conversation with her about self-forgiveness, and I'm excited to share that with you in the next episode. So please make sure to stay tuned for that. And once again, I want to thank all of you for your support of the Illuminate podcast. If you find this helpful, please go to iTunes, leave us a rating so other people can find this life-changing information. And as always, I love hearing from you, your comments, suggestions, and feedback about the podcast you can contact me at jeff at lovingmarriage.com, G-E-O-F-F at lovingmarriage.com, and I'll respond back to you. And thank you so much for all your support. I'll see you in the next episode.